0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Wonderfilled Week. I am your host Caitlin Corey. Today's guest is truly inspirational. She set out on a fitness journey and found so much more than results along the way. She doesn't shy away from opening up and continues to be honest and vulnerable as she shares her deeply personal story of struggle and triumph and everything in between on her Instagram account, Riley Be Healthy. Aside from being a total motivational force in the world of fitness. My guest is also the epitome of encouragement, support, and a true and loyal friend. She always takes the time to build others up and celebrates their accomplishments with the purest of hearts. I'm excited to learn how and why this wellness journey began and what she hopes to do next. I'm sure she will leave us feeling nothing less than motivated. Please welcome to the program, Riley Billion. Hi, Riley. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being on today.
1: Thank you, Caitlin. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So to give the listeners a little background, uh, Riley and I have a mutual friend that's been in both of our lives for a very long time, but we ourselves have never met. But through your Instagram and uh, your posts, your stories, and just from briefly chatting with you on DM, I feel like I've really gotten to know you and your story, and I'm just very excited to have you on today.
1: I'm so excited to be here, and yes, Julie, all of your listeners should know and have heard from her for multiple other podcasts that you've broadcast. She is wonderful, and she's absolutely part of my family, and I'm so grateful that she's been able to connect you and I together.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so I'm really excited, so let's just get right into it. Can you please give us a little background and insight into how you began your fitness, and do you call it a fitness journey, a wellness journey? What do you prefer?
1: definitely say that there are aspects of both to it, but definitely overarching is more of a wellness journey and a relationship with food journey. Um, And so to give you a little bit of background on that, for me, this has been a continuous journey throughout my life. I have struggled with eating disorders, disordered eating, my relationship with my body and food for quite some time actually since I was 12 years old and um, so it's been for more than half my life that to some varying degree I've struggled within this capacity Uh, and really at times it's been to some really scary extremes with that and I've also really been able to put my eating disorder in remission at different times and currently and have today the best relationship with food that I've ever had and feel so balanced and feel so, so passionate. And like my purpose here in life is to help others find that balance too.
0: Now, because it's something you've dealt with for so, you know, like you said, more than half of your life, what made you decide to, to start this journey? What was the first step? What changed? And It was so many years of your life. And then one day you said, this has to change.
1: Sure. So, flashing back to when I was an adolescent, throughout my adolescent years, uh, was mostly the most tumultuous. That I will say, I really, really struggled deeply with my eating disorder. And I will say, for many years, there I didn't want to change. Um, there was an aspect of safety and security within my eating disorder that I found um, and went through various different treatment programs and really just wasn't ready um, at that point. And my parents, my mom especially, did like everything that she could to try to get me to that point point. Um, and really just to give a quick synopsis on that. When I was 16, after going in and out of various treatment programs, my clinicians at that point said, okay, we need to get Riley into a long-term treatment program, and um, thank God they did. Um, I genuinely wouldn't be here alive today if they hadn't, Um, and so I went out to Utah into a program called New Haven for adolescent girls, and I was there for 10 months. And within those first three months, I still was in that point where I was like, I'm not ready. I just can't even envision my life without an eating disorder. And then I very vividly remember sitting outside with one of my most loved staff members, Cassie. And I remember just looking at her and saying, I can see the silver lining. I can see that there's another side. Um, And man, it just makes me emotional, like even thinking about that. Um, and really from there, it just kind of was like, all right, let's face it. Let's face all the demons. Let's go. Um, and it really, for many years, um, continued to face all of those. And I really got to a point when, you know, through college, was really strong, um, within my remission of my eating disorder. And to an extent, looking back and reflecting, I really feel like I was so good at my remission or really strong with my remission that I didn't remember that I had to actively work on it every single day. And so there came a point in time where New behaviors and old behaviors started to creep up. And it wasn't just behaviors or symptoms of my eating disorder, disordered eating. It was also a lot of all or nothing perfectionistic thoughts that triggered those behaviors that I had. Um, And so within the last three or four years, I really struggled with different behaviors. One, especially being binging and overeating and then really getting into this whole cycle of feeling guilty and ashamed of that, restricting and feeling like, gosh, I can't, I can't have XYZ. I can't eat chips because every time I eat chips, I binge and I overeat. And so I can't have that. And really that propelled me further into this cycle of this restrict can't white knuckle it anymore oh my goodness I just want that chip or whatever that food may be eating one bite of it going into this shame guilt all or nothing thinking and starting the cycle all over again so that gives you a little bit of background of kind of to what brought me to this place where I was a year ago and a About a year ago, I was so desperate for change. Um, It was really, really hard. I was in a a really tough spot confidence-wise. I was not comfortable in my own skin. I was not comfortable with the behaviors that I had. And I had been in therapy and doing a lot of the work, but still had these habits I felt like I couldn't break. And at that point, I felt like I tried everything. I had tried going paleo or going keto and it just why wasn't this working for me it was so easy for everyone else that I saw um and I was working out and I love fitness and found that piece of it about three years ago and then I started working one-on-one with a nutrition coach and it changed my life to be honest and got me to this balanced place today
0: Wow. Okay. So I have a few questions and all of that because that was amazing. First of all, thank you so much for sharing this because I know this is so deeply personal and I know I'm not, well, I'm not sure. Is it easy to share? Do you find that it's sometimes difficult to get the words out or are you pretty comfortable with your history and and where you are and where you're going that you feel confident speaking about it?
1: So I definitely think, and if anyone knows Brene Brown, it's like, you know, the only way that we can Destroy shame is by being authentic and vulnerable and sharing. And so I'm a huge believer in that. That doesn't mean that it's always easy. It doesn't mean that there are worries about my goodness, if I share this message, I have a career outside of my hope of nutrition coaching. And so what happens if a client sees this? But I'm jumping in, right? And so to talk to certain people where I feel really emotionally safe about it, no problem. Ask me any question. And genuinely, any listener, any follower on my Instagram, I'm totally open because I feel like my journey and what I've gone through is really been something that can help other people.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I feel like you know, many years ago, and even you know, not too long ago, I feel like a lot of people didn't want to share these parts of their lives, or there would be certain chapters in their lives that they weren't comfortable sharing, and social media wasn't um, a really a welcoming place for those kind of stories. But I feel like the tide has really turned with that, and the pendulum has swung the other way, and I find that. The accounts that are dedicated to a certain topic and the person who's running it really delves in and is really honest and transparent i think those are the accounts people most like following right i mean i know i do when i can see someone who's being genuinely themselves and sharing what they went through even if it's not quote-unquote instagram worthy picture perfect um i find those accounts to be so inspirational
1: Me too. It's one of those where when I see an account where it is, as you said, like picture perfect and everything looks happy, it's like, wait a second, but that's not humanistic. And I can't really empathize with that because I'm not picture perfect. And so I definitely resonate with the accounts who do provide the real life version of, hey, life can be really hard.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. And there were a few other things that, that struck me, um, that I wanted to know about when you were explaining your history. Now you were in, I'm sure in therapy when you were in treatment and then you're in therapy now, have you, did you go all throughout in order to sort of like maintain or, or, you know, stay in tune with your feelings or was that something that you only went back into when you were sort of seeing that you were in that cycle again?
1: Yeah, I definitely, so of course I was in a lot of therapy through my adolescent years and me and my family, especially when I was in Utah, did a lot of family therapy, which I think made a ton of difference. Um, they, it, they didn't look at me and say, Riley, you're the problem. They looked at my family and said, wait a second, there's a systematic family problem that we need to address. And so we really healed together, which is just so amazing to me. And then when I got to like a quote unquote good place, you have it spot on. I felt like I didn't necessarily need to continue to go through therapy. Um, And that's when I, I, I definitely can reflect and see that some of these thought patterns creeped back up. And as soon as Really, me and my support system being mostly my mom, when we identified this, and we were like, okay, hold on, this is a pattern that I'm having these disordered eating patterns and symptoms, as well as these thoughts, being really anxious, being really perfectionistic, thinking that I'm not good enough. It was like, great, let's go into therapy again. And it took, I, I will say, at least for me, finding that right fit for a therapist wasn't a snap of my fingers. It did take me going to meet some therapist and walking out the door and saying, I'm never going to see them again. Um, and struggling with finding therapists who had readily availability and who took my insurance. Um, I did. I'm so, so grateful that I found Nicole, who's my therapist, um, and she works with Epione Wellness and Health Center here in Massachusetts, Um, and she's been amazing. For me to be able to have this space. Now, when I first was really struggling, we were seeing each other again on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. And now we've gotten to a little bit of a maintenance place where both she and I and my entire support system agree, I don't need to come every week. I can really come when I need to and reach out to her and say, hey, Nicole, I'm struggling right now. Can we meet? We do put uh, therapy sessions on the calendar for every six weeks just to have it in place. But We typically may push it out or I may push it up to go see her sooner than that.
0: Oh, I really admire that. And I really encourage anyone who's going through something, even just to dip their toe in therapy. I'm always a big advocate and I think it can make a a big difference in your life. And like you said, finding a fit is difficult and um, definitely worth doing the research and sort of trial and error. Um, But also, too, I, I like sort of how you have something on the calendar, but if you're feeling sort of like, certain thought patterns or things are going on where you need to come sooner i love that relationship that you've created or you know built with your therapist and it's sort of nice to see you're taking a different approach now that you're in the maintenance sort of um would you call it remission
1: yeah i guess i would i would call it remission and also just living a balanced flexible lifestyle with a good relationship with food currently
0: absolutely and i love how this you know this. Um, stint and remission, you're sort of doing the maintenance as needed. And do you think that is making a difference, you know, sort of sticking yeah. with the therapy on just even just, uh, you know, week by week or see how you feel basis?
1: Definitely. And I think it's not just therapy. It's something Remission is something that I have to have to actively work at every single day. There's not a day that I wake up and say, nope, I can't put in the work because that's when different symptoms come back up. And even when I say the work, right, actively working on it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be food related. It could be journaling my thoughts that aren't even about Food, But could be about my all or nothing thinking with my career or anything else in my life. It could be me following through with my daily habits of meal prepping, making sure that the house is clean and organized, doing self care away from food. So all of those things definitely helped me to keep uh, this balanced lifestyle that I found.
0: Okay, I have a question about social media. So I know you've been, it seems, very open with your support system and people in your lives, but what made you come to the decision to start the Instagram page where you were going to be speaking to a larger audience, maybe necessarily that you don't know on a personal level? Where, how did you come to that decision to put it out there?
1: yeah so this has been something that i've been thinking about doing for years and really having this passion inside of me but really on my own getting tangled up and that i'm not sure how to do this and about two months ago i started working with a new nutrition coach one-on-one and i resonated a lot with her story where she went into her own one-on-one coaching with a coach herself and had no vision for her to become a nutrition and fitness coach. And a year later that she was like, oh my gosh, this is my purpose and like, this is my passion. And so she really showed me that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know, jump into it and do it and the rest will kind of fall into place. And so I just said to myself, it's time to take that plunge. And I don't necessarily think that I even, even really shared with anyone, like I'm doing it until I did it.
0: I think that's pretty great. You know, just, just dive in, right. And just sort of figuring it, figure it out along the way. That's what I say. I mean, when I started this podcast, I certainly had no idea. I had no training or education in this field of how to even turn the microphone on, let alone anything else. But I wanted to have this platform, and I wanted to sh- other people to share their stories and inspire others. And so I said, you know what? Done is better than perfect. Let's just dive in head first, sort it out as we go. It can only get better, right? I mean, we'll just improve.
1: Yeah, I love that, and I so admire that. One of my clients within my HR career he has the saying progress, not perfection. And that honestly goes a little bit completely against my automatic grain. But it's one of those where it's like, life's not perfect, we can't make it and challenge yourself and just jump in.
0: And I think I'm similar in that way, because I that goes against my natural instinct as well. Because I do always want things to be perfect. And Sometimes if things don't go like just the right way, I'll feel disappointed about the entire experience instead of just the one little part. And I, I too have to actively remind myself. And I think I post that one so repetitively on my stories and stuff, but it's more of a reminder for myself, like progress over perfection. Anytime I see that, I do these things where like, anytime I see something, I take it as a personal sign to myself. So since I see that one so often on social media, I think it's because I'm supposed to see it because I need that reminder, you know, in that moment.
1: And honestly, Caitlin, you hit on two things I wanted to know. One, every time you post something, I feel like you're speaking directly to me, and I love it. (laughs) And also, when I post something, I'm really speaking directly to myself, too. And so it's reminding myself of what I really need to be actively working on uh, within my balanced, healthy lifestyle.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so funny because... I feel like a lot – that's, of course, the goal, you know, for everything I post to resonate with someone. I always say not every post is for everyone, but it's for someone. And and so I get so many DMs and messages like, oh, my gosh, needed this, or how did you read my mind, and things like that. It always makes me feel good, and I'm just kind of like, no, it was just an accident. I I just needed it. So I guess we're just on the same wavelength today. But I really think there's something to be said that when you're speaking directly to yourself and you're being honest and vulnerable, you're going to, you know, reach other people because – it, you know, other people are going through similar things sometimes, right? And and what we I need one day, you might also need that day. So I think it's better to just post authentically and you're gonna reach the people who need it. And and anything that's meant for us, you know, will find us. And I think that like you and I, there's a reason our paths crossed and we met and like look how much alike we are, we've never even met, but when you can connect with someone um, authentically, I think that's the best way, right? Okay, so in the, so we'll stay in the vein of social media. You're going through a transition on your page right now that I thought was worth noting because your original Instagram handle was rileyb.fit and you're working toward rileyb.healthy. Is that correct? That's
1: absolutely right. So as we mentioned together, Caitlin, I just jumped in. Right, And so I was like, I progress over perfection. Let's do it. Let's run with it. And I started with this name that did, that does a little bit resonate with me, Riley B. Fit. and taking a step back, being able to really look at it and being able to look at my long-term vision, purpose, and passion for me, fitness is one aspect of me creating my own personal balanced, healthy lifestyle But I don't think that's the end-all be-all. I'm really more focused myself, and my passion is to help others find a healthy mindset, a balanced relationship with food while gaining confidence. And so, yes, fitness may be part of that, uh, and for me it absolutely is, but I'm really focused on the deep health of a person instead of just the fitness aspect.
0: And I love that. And I was actually so excited when you made that distinction when we were texting the other day because um, when Julie originally was uh, telling me about your Instagram and what you were doing, she's like, you know, follow Riley. She has a fitness Instagram. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let me see. Like, maybe I'll get some, you know, workout tips or, you know, how to work out at home tips. Let me check it out. But when I really looked at your, when I look at your work and your your feed, it's so much more than fitness. I mean, it is just such a, it, it is all about health and it's mental health and it's physical health and it's emotional health. And you offer so much more than fitness and not to take away, the fitness accounts are great for, you know, the audience they s- can help. But your Riley Be Healthy is just like totally the epitome of who you really are. And I feel, and it's just, very fitting.
1: Thank you. And that's exactly why the healthy really resonates with me a lot more. Um, and so I'm really excited about this change
0: when people used to ask me like, well, Oh, what's wonder? what is wonderful week? You know, you have a podcast. What's it about? And I would always say it's a positivity podcast. And that's just because, um, that's what I was sort of trying to pour into my life was positivity. And so I had sort of one idea of what I wanted it to be, but as it's developed and as I've thought more about it and, and given it more attention, it is like a career when you start these things. Mm-hmm. Um, What I've learned is it's more, now I say when people ask me, it's a wellness podcast. It might, one week might be about mental health, one week about physical health, one week about self-care, Reiki healing, grief advocacy. It's a lot of things and it's not always positive, right? Because... That would just be boring and unrealistic. And it would be like a picture perfect Instagram page, perfectly curated where no one could really relate. So, there are, I do still feel it's a positivity podcast in that I feel so good after I release one. I, I think people feel good when they listen to it, but it really is more about wellness and, and the overall, like you said, the overall health or overall wellness of a person.
1: And I love that too, Caitlin. I think as as soon as you were talking about this, one thing I wanna know is as we all go into potentially starting a social media plan strategy, I think it really can resonate where we can shift that over time. Just like a company, like a big name company, right? Shifts their own strategy over time. It's absolutely fine for us to do the same.
0: It's just constantly progressing and constantly changing.
1: And that's what's fun about
0: it, huh? Absolutely. That's the best part of life, the phases, you know? OK, so I have two questions. What advice would you give to someone who is scared to take the first step in this journey? And what advice would you give to someone who might be in the middle of a, whether it's a fitness journey, health journey, wellness journey, and they're feeling a little bit like a, they're, they've plateaued or they're stagnant, they're stuck? Um, what advice would you give to these people?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost, for somebody who's trying to face some of these challenges, whether it be disordered eating, potentially an eating disorder, just really wanting to face some unhealthy habits. For me, I think the first step is opening up about it. And I think in my life, there have been times where I have not opened up and that shame breeds shame. And so ultimately, even if it's just talking or even even before then, journaling, right? And journaling and having a conversation with yourself and then talking with maybe it's that one person in your life who you can be the most vulnerable with and just telling them and then creating an action plan from there.
0: I think the, you know, with any time you're struggling in life with, with whatever it may be, the first step is being honest about it, right? And sort of, I think that's great advice to first journal it because having that conversation with yourself is really where everyone should begin. Because before we can explain our story to someone else or confide in them, I think it's important that we know how we're feeling before anyone can sort of like, Um, affect or change your idea. You sort of need to know exactly where you stand, right? And
1: then I think, too, it's surrounding yourself with support. And you may not know what resources you need. And that's where I always think getting a second opinion, whether it be your best friend or your family member, whoever that person or persons are for you, looking to them... To help you figure out what that support does look like and resonates with you, whether it is talking with a therapist, whether online journaling works better than writing in a journal or whatever that may be, you know, really trying to figure out what are those next steps that I really want to take to be able to
0: heal. What advice for a person who's in the middle, you know, they've taken the first steps, they've gotten some, they've made some progress, but now they're like, okay, I'm stuck. I'm feeling like I'm not moving forward. I really could use some motivation. What would you tell to a person who's in the middle?
1: Yeah, a few things. One is definitely throughout my journey, I have failed a lot. And over time with I've really grown from a perfectionistic thinking of saying, oh my gosh, failure is the end all be all. And when I failed, I'm not good enough. And screw it, right? Like throw it all away, throw in the towel. Now I really see, and I would really challenge people to look at failures just as data, and we can be able to learn from them. Uh, Will Smith has this awesome video about failing forward, and when you, failed, when you fail, fail forward, learn from that, dissect it, figure out. So for example, for me, within the last 13 months on my nutrition journey, especially within the, the first three months of that I was still overeating and binging and I wasn't necessarily able to really break away fully from that habit and so what I shifted to between those three and six months was really looking at when I binge or when I overeat what is the who what where when and why dissecting that piece of it and then being able to say, what steps am I going to put in place for next time when the who, what, where, what, and why come about again, because they're going to. And then it's really trying, trial and error, trial and error. You know, if, if my action plan works that I created, amazing, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. If it doesn't, go back to the drawing board. So that I definitely would say failure is an opportunity for you to learn and implement new steps. For
0: yourself. You're totally taking the, you know, bad connotation away from the word failure. And we should really continue to do that. I love that fail forward or failure is an opportunity. I love how you're flipping it on its head. This is like really inspiring me. I will never look at the word failure. I'm going to try to put new eyes on it next time.
1: Awesome. And I wish that there was another word for failure, but it's something I think that we all know and resonate with and have this really deep emotional reaction when we say failure. And so I love, like, let's shift that thinking away from what we automatically and naturally think failure is to something that's really exciting. Like, get excited when you fail, right? Like, let me dissect this. Let me be an investigator about
0: it. And I'm thinking too, with my um, education uh, background and childcare background, if we could teach children from an early age, you know, that failure is not a bad word, then we could have a whole new generation of people who just flip that on its head and just look at it differently. So I love the excitement and enthusiasm in doing that. And, you know, it's great and you inspire me. I'm definitely going to adopt that into my life.
1: Thank you. And then I think you also mentioned another thing or asked the question about when somebody is not feeling motivated. First and foremost, I want to bring light to the fact that we are not always going to feel motivated and that is completely natural. It happens to me often. Like it's so hard for me. So fitness and working out is one of my biggest self-care and coping mechanisms and I do enjoy it, but there are weeks and days where getting in the car to go to the gym or even when I'm at the gym, I'm just like, gosh, I don't want to be here, right? I don't want to be here. I'm not motivated to be here. So a few things in my mind is fall back onto your habits and systems. So create those habits in place so that when you feel unmotivated, you still pack your bag to go to the gym. You still go to the gym every day right after work. Instead of driving home, you drive straight to the gym. And really, it's those systems that that you need to repeat over and over and over again that create these behavior changes.
0: You're right about forming the habits because something that I always do on Sunday, well, Sunday, I feel like it's my quote unquote, laziest day. And I really don't push myself to do much of anything. But something I always do on Sunday is I um, book my classes or my spot in class for Pilates for the next two weeks, And so by doing that, you know, you're all paid for it. You're all signed up. So when the day comes, if I'm not feeling motivated, listen, I'm already signed up. I already have my spot. It's too late to cancel. You'll still have to pay. And I go. And you're right. By doing that, by having that habit of the Sunday night scheduling, it really keeps me not only accountable, but motivated because it's, you know, it's the promise to myself for the next two weeks that I'm going to be there. And even if I wake up that day and feel terrible... I'm kind of going to be forced to go anyway, and then that's the hardest part, right, getting there. So once you get there, then, you know, the motivation sort of kicks in from doing the thing that you enjoy. Like you said, you enjoy fitness. That is a form of self-care. I do like Pilates. That is my form of self-care. So once you get there, you'll be motivated naturally, but you're right, habit-forming behavior, that's big. Habits definitely are helpful.
1: And I think you also hit on something so big, which I was gonna to touch upon, Caitlin, was the accountability factor. And so for me, accountability is huge, whether that looks like me reaching out to Allie, my current coach, and saying to her, like we video chat together, and just being like, Allie, tell me to go to the gym, like literally, tell me to do this. Or whether it be Jeff, my boyfriend, and Julie's brother saying to him, like, hey, you're going to go grab a coffee, and when you come back from Dunkin' Donuts, make sure I have my shoes on, and I'm headed out the door.
0: That's huge. Um, That's huge. Yeah,
1: and, and the other piece of it, too, could also be allowing yourself some grace sometimes. Um, the book, Atomic Habits by James Clear has really inspired me all about habits and accountability, and one thing that he will say is when you – When you miss one day, that's okay. But when you miss two days, it's starting to become a pattern. And so don't start that pattern, right? And as soon as you are aware of a potential pattern that has started, try to mitigate that as much as possible.
0: I love that. And you do have to give yourself some grace, right? Because there are going to be some days where – The form of self-care that particular day is skipping the gym, is skipping Pilates, is allowing yourself to rest because rest, you know, is part of self-care as well. And sometimes you just have to ask yourself, which is going to make me feel better after it's all over? Will I have felt better to go to the gym or will I have felt better that I stayed here and honored, you know, how I was feeling and took that time? And I like that, you know, you can, you know, miss one day, but two days you're starting a whole new pattern now. And so it's. Absolutely. I think that's important. I love that you. Thank you for providing a resource. The name of that book again? Atomic Habits.
1: Atomic Habits by James Clear. Another thing too, if people are struggling, and and I struggled for a while to create a habit and system and pattern of going to the gym which I knew was so helpful for me is I joined a membership gym meaning I joined a CrossFit gym and I gym like CrossFit same style I had done that for three years and so that really helped me say I have a class at 5 p.m that I need to go to. And getting there and having the community so that people can support you and encourage you really helped me.
0: I think building things into your schedule through the for the day is big because like you would never skip a meeting, you would never skip, you know, meeting up with a friend. So if you put it in for me, when I put it in the calendar, it's happening.
1: Totally. And I love how you do that on Sundays for Pilates, even two weeks in advance. That's amazing to me because you're looking so proactively for the future. And then you build your schedule around that instead of your schedule kind of building itself. And then all of a sudden having that moment of, oh no, when, right? When am I going to do this? When am I going to be all prep? When am I going to do anything? Um, that I really, really want to do. So I love
0: that. It's so true because I know before I used to do that with the scheduling, I'd try to sometimes book it on the day of and the class was full. And I would say to myself, well, I tried. And really I wasn't putting the effort in and I was allowing something so... Something so like to stop me from going, and I could justify it because, well, there was no room. But if, you know, instead of saying to myself, if I were more proactive and planned ahead and built it in, it would get done, I would allow these little excuses to sort of justify skipping or not going. Definitely. And so I think, you know, putting it into your schedule is big. Now, you mentioned meal prep. So that leads me to something. I know you do meal prep. Um, what are some other strategies you use to stick with prepping your eating and food habits for the week?
1: Yeah, so definitely meal prep. And I think that there are many ways that people can approach meal prep. Some people love to plan out and make their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So all they need to do is grab whatever they have in the fridge. It's already in a container. That, to me, uh, doesn't necessarily work with my what works for me, right? doesn't necessarily resonate with me. So what I actually do is typically on Sundays, I'll batch prep. So that looks like I will put a ton of chicken in the crock pot. So we have chicken available to us so that I can use that for lunch. We could eat leftovers for dinner of it, or I could make ground turkey and have some of that. So not always for me saying this is what my exact meal is going to look like, just being able to have the options available to me without proactively having them. So I know oftentimes some people may feel that meal prepping can be a little bit boring if they're they're eating the same meal over and over again. One thing I love to do to mix it up is change up the sauces that I'm using on different foods. So every single meal, I may have barbecue sauce or teriyaki sauce or a taco sauce on it that just works for me to be able to feel like I'm eating a totally different meal every single one. And sometimes I eat teriyaki sauce on my meals for days at a time because that's what speaks to me in that moment.
0: Oh, I love that. It's true because, you know, you always think of, like, grilled chicken for, like, the clean protein. But, I mean, you can have chicken a million different ways if you change the sauce, right? You can feel like you're having a totally different vibe. I think that's a really good idea because I know my husband's a very – clean eater and sometimes he can just have the same thing for weeks on end and he's like okay I'm over it like if I see (laughs) another piece of salmon it's over
1: (laughs) and the other thing too Caitlin that you bring up a really good point is that I often feel like there's this connotation that in order to potentially lose weight or be healthy you need to be eating chicken and broccoli or fish and broccoli for every single meal and I want to really diminish that and really banish that thinking Um, One thing that I currently do is I count calories and through my counting my macronutrients. So macronutrients are your carbs, fats, and proteins. And ultimately, when I have been on my journey of losing weight within this last year, I have found so much flexibility throughout this process so as long as I meet my target say it's my calorie target for the day I can fill that with whatever I want and so what that looks like for me every single night I have at least two desserts and so those desserts are me making a protein ice cream shake and having rice cakes with a lot of peanut butter on them so It allows me to be able to feel like I don't need to eat completely clean, quote-unquote clean all the time. I can have these desserts. I eat the foods that I love and enjoy, and that way I actually banish that all or nothing or the quote-unquote good foods and bad foods thinking because I can eat whatever I want. If I want a Kit Kat, I can eat that.
0: I love that and it's like a budget right? I mean if you it's kind of great to know the amount of calories you're looking to have in that day and you can sort of spend your budget as you see fit. And I love that because I feel like the all or nothing, I don't know, maybe that works for some people and, you know, that's great for them and they'll find success in that. That has never worked for me. I found that when I do the all or nothing, I'm well, especially when I restrict or forbid myself from, you know, enjoying something, it makes me want it all the more. You know, it's, it goes mm-hmm. back to being a little kid. And when they tell you not to press the button, that's all you want to do is press the button. And I feel like, By doing the all or nothing, you're just like sort of white knuckling it to when you eventually fail and then there's that word again and you've had the negative connotation, you sort of feel down on yourself. But if you had built it into your like we did with the gym, building it into the calendar, building it into your day and allowing in your budget room for the things you like, it's more balanced and you're not totally, you know, forbidding yourself and something to look forward to. And and then it just becomes more, you know, habit and part of your day, and you get to enjoy the things you want, but you're still staying within your budget, and it's just the best of both worlds.
1: That's exactly right. I am jumping up and down over here for everything that you just said, Caitlin. It's absolutely spot on and really resonates with how I've been able to find flexibility and balance with food and create such a good relationship. Because when I was white knuckling it, you know, I would restrict these quote unquote bad foods and then I would end up overeating or binging on them feeling really, really ashamed and guilty because they're quote unquote bad food and getting back into that same restrict binge, guilt, shame cycle all, all, all over again. And I love how you identified that we can break that cycle but we have to be able to see that that cycle is
0: broken. I think that's big because sometimes you don't even know you're in a cycle until you really look inward. And that's why I always encourage, you know, reflection, meditation, sort of taking that time to look inward. I feel like we know our family and friends and people we love so well, and sometimes we don't know ourselves that well because we don't gift ourselves, you know, the time to get to know ourselves, to see our patterns, to see what's happening, to see what's working, what's not working. But if we all sort of did that, I think we would find, you know, oh, I notice when I do this, then I do that, and so on and so forth and the cycle continues. I think looking inward is a big part and i know that's something you've really been doing most of your life and really delving into and encouraging others to do as well okay so something i want to ask you about is the strategies i love the strategies you have um, saved in your highlight Um, strategies for you know the holidays for when you're on vacation it's just certain times you like sort of feel like oh it's like what am i going to do i'm on vacation i just have to sort of like abandon my whole you know routine and just go crazy for this amount of time but what are? Can you get, delve a little bit into the strategies that you found? I know you put up one for holidays, and recently you were on vacation, and I loved following that and seeing the steps you were taking. Can you give us a few tips?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So especially with vacations, I think we all go on vacations, and I know from my past vacations, there have been ones where even when throughout this journey I've gone and feel like I've totally, quote-unquote, gotten off track. I've overeaten, and then I – can fall back into that guilt, shame, all-or-nothing thinking. And ultimately, being able to have that experience, that fail-forward experience, I've been able to really implement some strategies for myself, which I know resonate with a lot of other people. Um, So first and foremost, when we're going on vacation, if you're going on this once-in-a-lifetime vacation to Italy, you will likely want to approach that differently than maybe going down to visit your grandparents or your parents' somewhere warm, right? Um, And so really being able to take a look and set that intention beforehand, write down that intention and to be able to say, I want to, this is how I want to approach it. Then once we set that intention, being able to create the action plan in order to do that. So in order for me to stay on track and to be able to continue for me counting like this, that past vacation, I said to myself, I'm going to provide myself with flexibility, balance, living in the gray but also really staying aligned with my nutrition. And so how did I do that? And when I looked at doing that, I created action plans. I asked my mom if she could have some groceries ready for me when I got to the house. I also said, great, we'll go grocery shopping for some other things afterwards. I looked up some menus and restaurants and said, great. When we go out to eat, can we go here? And then of course, getting to the restaurant and asking for a specific accommodations super nicely. And almost always um, restaurants will help accommodate you. The other thing too, is creating not only those A plans, but those B and C plans. So when something doesn't go as you hoped or intended, writing down, okay, what are all of the potential Circumstances or situations that may happen, right? We may get to a restaurant and they may not be able to seat us for 45 minutes. We may have to figure out a plan B. What does that look like? And writing those down. I may sit there and decide that I do want a food that ha- in the past has been a trigger food that I've overeaten. What will I do in that situation? And I wanna jump into that a little bit more. So when we approach a food that we've overeaten in the past, I want us to really be intentional about how we approach that food because that can happen anytime. You might be going to a different party or event that's not just a holiday, but you may want that piece of cake. I want us to really take a step back and ask three questions. One question, is this food truly worth it? So how I answer that for me is maybe that store-bought cake might not be totally worth it. And maybe the one Dessert that my mom makes for Thanksgiving every year is totally worth it. The second question I want us to answer is, if I eat this food, can I be in the moment right now with it? So for me, when I say, for example, or with my family for a holiday, it can be admittedly really stressful. There are so many personalities that are happening that right then is overwhelming for me and likely I can't be able to enjoy that food in the moment. So it's not the right time for me to be eating that food. The third is if I eat this potential trigger food and the urge to overeat or binge comes on, do I feel like I can effectively manage that urge right now in this moment? If the answer to any three of those questions is no, then for me, and I would encourage everyone to take a pass on the food for the moment. If at any point in the future those three questions all answer yes, then absolutely let yourself have it, enjoy the food guilt free. And so you can have that food, you can say, this piece of cake absolutely is worth it to me, but I'm gonna take some of it home with me so I can sit down, eat it on the couch, and really, really enjoy it.
0: I love that. And a few things jumped out at me. And when I saw this, just, um, this, you know, explanation of the three questions you ask yourself before having a trigger food, that is brilliant. I hope you saved that to a highlight because everybody needs to, you know, check that out and use that as a reminder because that was so brilliant when I heard you explain it. And just listening now, I'm just nodding along over here. And
1: one other one too, Caitlin, that popped into mind are two different things is one for me, I love the way that I eat every day because I allow myself and really, really love the desserts that I eat every day and the way that I eat every day. I don't have this huge urge to go crazy because I actually would rather my protein ice cream that I'm going to have at night than stopping at an ice cream shop. And personally for me, ice cream makes my tummy hurt. So to me, that's not, that food isn't worth it, but my ice cream protein at night totally is. The other thing, too, and I heard this from somebody else, and it totally resonated with me, especially around holidays, but I can use this, and we can all use this for everyday life. When I go to bed tonight, how do I want to feel? And so especially around the holiday time, this is a strategy that I really employed when I'm going into Thanksgiving. I want to feel connected with my loved ones. I want to go to bed feeling really, really grateful for the time spent with them. And I don't want to be feeling like all I thought about that day was food. And so how can we remove the, that food obsession and be able to say, okay, so I don't want to do this. This is how I want to feel. I want to feel connected in, in the moment. And so for me, my strategy to do that is maybe different than somebody else's strategy to do it, uh, but ultimately taking those action steps that will work for us.
0: Do you feel now that you're in remission and um, you have a balanced relationship with food, do you still feel like food is a big focus in your day or because you're sort of habit based in your inner routine that it doesn't so much take over your thoughts?
1: I definitely would say it doesn't necessarily take over my thoughts for sure. I mean, obviously, there's always that like, oh, what are we going to eat for dinner? Um, But I honestly have gotten into a really good routine system habit with food that. I really don't think about it. Yes, when I'm about to go on vacation or a holiday is coming up, I know that I have to actively think about it because that's something that if I don't, then I let it fall to the wayside and I can get into a moment of kind of like that, oh, no, right? And so from those experiences of failing forward and learning that, I know that I have to have a plan. I know that I have to communicate that plan out loud to my boyfriend Jeff and saying, this is what I'm going to do cool. Um, and even there are times where he'll eat a trigger food for me and say it tortilla chips. Right. And I will literally have to say out loud to him, don't let me have one right now. Cause I'm not in the emotional space that I could manage a binge urge if it came on. And that happens today. Right. But it's being able to actively make those choices. And then there are other times where I'll have a chip and I'll say, let me have just one. And then I have one and I realize I'm good. I either, I don't need any more, or this isn't going to turn into a binge, but hey, let me have two more.
0: Basically in that short amount of time between, you know, seeing him have the trigger food and you making the, it's seeming like a split second decision. It's really not. You're quickly going through those three questions in your head, I'm sure. Like asking yourself, um, how is this going to unfold? And I'm sure now you've gotten into, you can probably answer those questions pretty quickly in your head because you've done it so many times and you've built that habit.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. And I think it goes back to learning and doing these and showing yourself that you can, like getting that first win, making it through that first urge to binge, making it through that scenario, making it through that holiday, that vacation, it with the intention and goal that you had in mind. And then building upon that. And then, of course, it gets to the point where you just start to trust yourself a little bit more. And,
0: and your boyfriend, I'm sure, is a big support system for you because you do feel comfortable enough and you have that relationship where you can say, don't let me do this, or you know, when you come back from Duncan, make sure my shoes are on. It seems like he's a big support in your life um, and on this journey.
1: Oh, he totally is, and like he's just amazing.
0: What has surprised you most on this journey about yourself, I, about the process, yeah. whatever it may be?
1: I think what surprised me most is we've already talked about Caitlin is the fail forward mentality and really being able to see failure as something that's actually beneficial to us and exciting to us. And that is something in years past is, as we've talked about is totally against my automatic natural thought pattern, but that's something where like failure is the best source of data for me. And that's something where if you, if you asked me years ago how I felt about failure, man, my answer would be different.
0: Yeah, failure probably used to feel like a four-letter word and, you know, the worst thing you could ever think of. And now you're sort of like, and I think that's great too because not only in your journey with wellness, health, and fitness, but also that taking that mentality of failing forward can help you in all aspects of your life, in relationships, in your career. I mean, that's just a beautiful lesson to learn. And it's so nice that you're taking it in and sort of like really adopting that mentality and also sharing it with the world so that they can also do the same.
1: Definitely. Thank you.
0: I want to get in a little bit. Is, is your end goal to be a nutrition coach, you think? I know you, you mentioned um, working with one and really changing your life. Is that something that you'd want to delve into personally?
1: Oh, absolutely. That is my end-all, be-all goal is to help others be able to find this food freedom healthy lifestyle and mindset around food while also gaining confidence. And so that absolutely is my burning passion and purpose in life. And I'm currently going through a nutrition certification course through Precision Nutrition. Um, And I'm right in the meat of it. And it's so so exciting and I'm learning tons and how to be able to put this into practice with others
0: that's so exciting and it's so amazing that your personal experience has really fueled your passion and you're not just letting it be you know a dream in a dream world you're really bringing it to life and you're taking the active steps and I can hear it in your voice how excited you are about it so that's how I know it's totally what you're meant to do And I just know you're going to, not only do you have the experience, but you have the personality to connect with people and to really make a difference. And I know you will continue to do so. Thank you. And now do you feel like this journey will ever, I know they always say like life is a journey and you're on a fitness or wellness journey, but it doesn't really have an end date, right? I mean, do you feel this is something that's just going to be your journey forever?
1: I definitely do. I think that as I've mentioned, like I have to work on this actively every day. And as, as I start to help people and really dive deep into that, that's gonna evolve over time. And I hope to touch as many lives as possible. Um, and really, they're gonna touch me. Uh, so I don't see this as ever having an end goal. I see this as a continuous journey. I mean, when hopefully we have kids in the future, that's gonna look different than my current day now. It's all an evolution.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you'll be able, the more experience you go through in your life, you'll be able to share that. And I feel like you're just going to continue to build this community um, and make a difference. And like you said, you're not just going to be helping others, they're going to help you and you will, I think, continue to feel inspired when others share their stories with you. And it will be, you know, mutually beneficial for everyone involved. And you're really going, you're in the meat of it now, and I'm sure it's ex- exciting, but maybe also hard, and you're multitasking and balancing, um, but it is going to be 100% worth it, and you're going to be, you know, sort of hashtag goals. People always say you want a job that doesn't feel like a job. It's gonna be your passion. It's not gonna be just like a paycheck week to week, like survive until Friday. You're really going to be living and working in your passion.
1: Absolutely. And ultimately, live your why is really and enjoy every step of the way.
0: I love that. And everyone should seek to find their why. Why they want to do what they do, why this is their passion, and what they can do with that. Uh, Riley, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today and opening up and not holding back. You know, you are really vulnerable, and I believe that when we go through something difficult in life, it's always so powerful to share your story because you really never know who you will influence and move and who is watching you and seeing you be authentically yourself and feel inspired by that. For me personally, I am so inspired by following your page. And while our journeys may be different, our triggers may be different, and our obstacles may be different seeing you be so motivated and so honest and uh so introspective and in doing the work it makes me want to do the work that i need to do for my life so i thank you and i look forward to con- watching you continue your journey everyone be sure to check out riley on her new instagram handle at rileyb.healthy which is the perfect handle for you and thank you so much thank you everyone for listening you can follow me at wonderfield week and i hope everyone has a wonderfield week as well